to uh, introduce our guest speakers today, Janice and Melissa Bellio from Columbia, Missouri. Um, they're here today. Amen. Uh, Janice and Melissa are some of my best friends. Um, they are, I tell you what, when if you're looking the dictionary under the word disciple, you'd see these guys' pictures. Um, they are faithful people who've been through a lot. They're going to share a little bit of their story today, but uh, they are great examples of what it means to really walk with Jesus. And um, I'm just, anytime I'm around them, I get emotional because they're just such great friends. We've been through so much together, but they're so very encouraging as well. I mean, just spend a few moments with them and you're going to feel like you're the only person in the room. You're going to feel like a million dollars and you're going to walk away feeling more faithful just because of their hearts. So there's not enough I can say about them, but I'm so grateful they're here. And uh, I'm glad you get to share in this time. You know, I've got to hear their story, walk with them in their story. But, uh, you know, it's it's going to it's going to be a great time. It's going to be a time that's going to bring some faith. So let's go ahead and have them come up right now and give them a round of applause. Amen. Good to, um, it's good to be family, amen. It's good to be, yeah. It's it's uh, it's all good. I think let me make sure my mic's on here. But um, I appreciate you guys having us down. Um, you know we're um, we're gonna talk about being. You know, with Thanksgiving's coming up, and so we're talking about you know not what you would theoretically think about what you're thankful for. Thankful for the struggle this morning, right? And that's that's life with Jesus, right? Good, bad, and ugly, but Jesus is there walking with you and. Um, I want to thank you guys for being faithful. I want to thank you guys for loving Jesus, staying the course. And uh, as I look around, you know, so many uh, old relationships in this room. Obviously, Jason and Rachel, uh, my wife, when she was, we were in campus ministry together when Jason and Rachel were there in Columbia. I was converted there. She moved there to work as an intern as well. And uh, they used to let, you know, Melissa use her laundry and uh, their washing machine. You know, just little basic stuff like that. Like, you know, Melissa was from Massachusetts. And so... Um, they just were really like family to us back then and still are and in many ways. Um, you know, we had uh, trials. We'd sit and eat Andy's ice cream in the back of a truck. And uh, a, lot, a lot of good could be done just eating frozen custard, apparently. Um, so that was great. And Robin Ilya, I still remember hanging out with you guys years ago. Coming here, we were campus interns hanging out with you guys. Good to see Miss Laura back in the heartland and, and married. That was awesome news. So congratulations still. So happy for you guys. And um, man, I remember Alex, man. We used to call Alex Shaq uh, back in the day. And uh, get this, I was like, bro, are you coaching us? So he had, he had the, I was like, bro. And he's like, I am coaching, you know? I'm like, bro, you look like a coach, man. And um, So just so many memories. And of course, it's been, you know, Jeff and Amanda. I, I remember hearing Jeff preach at a campus conference when I was maybe 20, 21. And uh, I remember, like, like, this guy is preaching, man. Like, this guy is getting after it. And ever since then, I just looked up to him from afar, and we've crossed paths at different conferences. I've always felt so believed in by Jeff. Um, like, just, man, you know, I just feel like a big brother. But uh, just getting to hang out with them, really get to know them and their family. These guys are just servants, man. They just serve. Like, I feel like of all, so much talent. You know, there's so much you can say about uh, just what they can do for God. They love God. They love the kingdom. Um, but something that stood out, stood out to me, brothers, you guys are just servants, man. You guys really love deeply, and we're very grateful to have you guys in the heartland as well. Yeah. You know, just uh, we're very blessed for that. Um, but I, I do want to share a little uh, photo of you guys. 
Hebrews 12. That's 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 um that's obviously me and my wife. That's that's our daughter. So this is like life. Um, this is a Christmas banquet two years ago. She was I think two, so she's four now. A little bit dated, but um, she's got her frozen dress on there. She loves Elsa, and uh, you know. It, and, but so you can kind of tell like it's a lot of good, but there's just some some chaos in the middle of it, some pain. And you just got to get through it. But that's our little family of three, and we're very grateful for it. And we're very grateful to be a part of God's kingdom. But obviously, there's, 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 there's that, that to me, that picture is a microcosm of uh, what you got to just take on with Jesus. A lot to smile about, but then there's always something that, man, you can kind of cry about, if you're honest. Like, there's always something that, you know, like, when trouble come our way, you got to cry sometimes. Right, Jesus will fix it after a while. And what do you do in that midst of after a while? How long is this while? You know, because Jesus, you, you ain't to give me no specifics on this while. You say you're gonna fix it, but is it, when is it? Right? And you gotta hang in there. And so we have our, our story of that as well. And so my wife's gonna give some detail on that. Amen. Yeah. Good morning, guys. Like my husband said, I'm Melissa, and it's so good to see your faces. And just to be with you, uh, I've been praying for you guys every Tuesday for like maybe five or six years. And so I'm just like, oh, these are the people I've been praying for. And some of you guys are dear friends. Some of you are new faces to me. And so I just look forward to being able to meet you guys after service. But uh, just thank you for letting us come. Thank you for letting us share. It's just an honor to be with you guys. And just wanted to say thank you, too, because if you guys didn't exist, we wouldn't have the church in Columbia. About 10 members from this church came and went and planted the church and in Columbia we had members from the church we served in Springfield actually that came from Wichita and so I just think about this place and what a um, just wealth of faith this place has been and I'm just very grateful for you because I wouldn't have my husband if that church wasn't planted so thank you guys very much anyways uh, just a little bit about our story Uh, we were married in 2012 And a year after we got married, we were actually asked to go serve the church in Springfield. So we moved out there. And we were loving leading the campus ministry, loving leading the church. And I think we had intended eventually to try and get pregnant. uh, But we were surprised to find out when we did get pregnant with our daughter, Naomi. She was, uh, yeah, just a surprise to us, not to God, but to us. And I actually initially was really struggling with being pregnant at the time because I just, I didn't feel like I was ready, you know? And so fast forward, first trimester goes by, my heart is finally getting like settled into like, okay, I'm going to be a mom, God. All right, I'm excited. And I got my heart there and I was actually really fired up uh, around my second trimester to have her. And fast forward a little bit more time, we went in for an ultrasound actually a little bit later because I was going to do a home birth and uh, had to do, we ended up doing all the normal things a little bit later with that and found out that there was something not right um, with our daughter Naomi and that she potentially could have a life-threatening illness or a disease that would be terminated, would cause her to terminate or not live after birth. And so it was pretty devastating when we found that out, of course, because you're just wondering, like, okay, what what situation are we going to be in, right? Like, is she going to live? Is she going to die? How much intervention will she need? And all of those kinds of things. And I just remember feeling so scared and unsure of, like, what our future was going to hold in every every way. And uh, we 
prayed a lot, fasted. I remember begging God just for her to be healed. And uh, when she, when we got, uh, when we finally ended up, sorry, I'm trying to tell the story in cohesive order. But like when we finally actually um, had her at 32 weeks, I actually, my water broke early. She passed away probably within 15 minutes. And so that was really devastating for us. We were hoping, obviously, that she would make it and she would be okay. And from then on, it felt like, you know, just this huge battle with me and God. Like, because I just felt, I, I didn't know who God was anymore in some ways. This huge traumatic thing happened, and I was like, okay, God, like, I don't feel like I understand how this works in my brain. How, how is it that you love me and you say you're good, but then bad things happen, right? Like challenging things happen. And so it forced me <laughs> at the time to dig deeper, right? And to figure out like, who is God in the midst of suffering and trial? And from then on, we kind of went on to do IVF. We had four rounds of IVF. We got our beautiful daughter, Ruth, which I'm so thankful for. Um, she's awesome. Like I said, she's, you know, a, a, a ball of energy. And uh, and, you know, we ended up actually having another miscarriage after we had Ruth. And actually now we're struggling to actually have another baby to, to get pregnant again. And so anyway, so our journey hasn't always looked like this, right? It's been like this. And I'm sure you guys can relate to that. Life is like this. <laughs> it doesn't go in a straight line. Uh, but I'm looking forward just to sharing a little bit about how God's helped us in the midst of that. So thank you for letting me share a little bit of our story. Um, something else you guys can pray for. Um, so what our daughter suffered with uh, was a genetic condition. And um, if we have another child, God willing, there's a 25% that that child could have what she had, what Naomi had, which is why we did IVF. It was preventative in nature. So we're very grateful that we had a healthy child through that process. But uh, going through, even just attempting, there's, there's a little bit of it that's vulnerable for us. And we're just trying to be faithful that, hey, God, there's a 70. Right, if the odds are right, we could have had three kids naturally and, and, not, and not even known, right? But here we are in this place where God is still sovereign. God is still good. But how do you choose to believe that when so much of the external circumstances are perhaps telling you otherwise, right? How do we stay thankful for the struggle? And uh, a couple things I would ask us to think about this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Great passage, and it's one of Jason's favorite passages. But um, there's so much here, right, that we can glean. But um, a few things I, I, I want to share with us this morning. Chapter 12 of Hebrews, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and, let, uh, and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he sat down, uh, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such uh, opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So two things, guys, that I would ask us to think about in order to be thankful for the struggle. The first thing is consider Jesus. We must consider Jesus. When I think of considering anything, I think of words like being contemplative, meditating, focusing on it, making it a focal point of our thought process. 
we must consider who Jesus is yeah. and what he's done. And uh, you think about, right, just you, you think of all, all the mountains and valleys that we go through as disciples. The Hebrew writer, of all things, he says, man, you know, there's this joy that was set before Jesus. There's this joy that he could take on the cross. He said, man, God, I can thank you for the valleys. I can thank you for the times it's painful. I can thank you for this cross. How do we imitate Jesus? First thing is we got to consider Jesus. Yeah. And you can think about who he is, right? We can consider simply who he was as a man when he walked on earth. Yeah. We can consider how he wasn't just willing to heal lepers. He was willing to touch them. Yeah. Didn't have to do that. Yeah. He could have said at, at, at just a word. You're healed. But he made it a point to say, hey, and you can imagine, right? <gasps> Touch the leper. Unclean, unclean. Jesus goes, no, 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 no. I want this, this man to know, or this woman to know that God loves them. Amen. And there's still a touch. I'm not afraid of you. What if we consider that more often? That he's willing to go where nowhere else, no one else is willing to go with us in our sin. He didn't have to touch that diseased skin, but he didn't. He just wanted to show love. We can consider how he looked at the rich young ruler who he knew would turn away, right? He knew he would choose money, which is so easy for any of us to choose. Here's this guy who was perfect in every way, rich, young ruler, influenced all this stuff. <laughs> Jesus said, man, the Bible, Mark says he looked at him and loved him. Yeah. He looked at this young man and knew, man, this guy is probably going to turn away. I don't think he's all that open, but I love this guy. I see something for this young man. I still believe him. Maybe one day, who knows what happened to that rich young ruler later on in life. Because Jesus looked at him and loved him. What if we consider that? That So many times we've turned away from Jesus. Even as Christians, like, man, I just, God, I do not want to share my faith. I do not want to read my Bible. I do not want to, I don't want to get open about my sin. Jesus looks at us. He goes, man, I wish you hope you would but i still love you yeah. and i want to you know, i want to challenge you to do that because it's for your own good but i love you regardless we can consider how he chose ordinary people blue collar fishermen to to be the men that would change the world right. everyone else looked these guys over jesus goes i want those guys i want the guys that no one else thought about yeah. and the guys thought ah, the world thinks they're nobodies that's who I want. Wow. If you felt like a nobody, God's like, I want that guy. Yeah. Wow. I want her. So I can show the world my power and mercy. How often do we just consider that? How often do we think about, man, Jesus was awesome. Yeah. As a man, as God in the flesh, as a man that walked among us, what a powerful man he was. But the Bible doesn't just stop there. We can consider how he wept for Lazarus, even though he knew he was going to raise him. He wept for his sisters, even though he knew in a few few moments, I'm going to raise this guy. But, man, I'm in it. I'm present with you. So I'm going to feel what you feel. I know what's going to happen. I know I'm going to bring that man out. But I sense the sadness. I sense the grief. I sense the pain, the disappointment. I'm going to let it affect me. To where I know the outcome, but I weep. 
not j- disingenuously, but I actually genuinely feel for you. Yeah. What if we thought about that that's who Jesus was? In our pain, in the midst of our struggles, that's who Jesus is. He knows the outcome. He, he works for the good in all situations. Yeah. But he still feels our pain in the midst of it. But the Bible's not finished. Just consider him who endured what? Endured such opposition from sinners. So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. You think about what he endured on the cross. How often do we just read about the passion? How often do we just read about the crucifixion? Just ourselves for our own morning quiet times, our own devotionals and think, man, Jesus did that, sure, for the corporate body, but he did that for me. Luke 15 says, for one sinner, the angels rejoice for one sinner. Over one of us, if anything, there's sometimes people like, ah, no, Jesus couldn't die for me, man, not for me. Like, you know how important, if you have one kid, you know how important that one kid is? It it, it ratchets up everything, the intensity, the importance, the urgency. Jesus felt those things. What if we consider that, that he hung on the cross? And while he hung on the cross, he, he was outward focused. Yeah. John, take care of my mom. I'm hanging. I'm, I'm, I'm in pain. Hey, thief on the cross, man, what did you say? You asked me if, if you could be with me in paradise. I got you. Outward focused. The whole time he's suffering, he still thought of everyone around him. Yeah. People are mocking him. Hey, come down from the cross. Prove yourself, Jesus. Yeah. You know how many times I, I want to prove myself to people? Yeah. Well, I'll show you. I'll show you. You think I'm... Jesus says, no, no, no. I, I, I got to prove myself that they're enough. Not that I'm enough, but that they're enough. If I got to prove anything, it's that. That they're enough for me. I prove nothing about myself. This is who Jesus was. This is who Jesus is. How often do we meditate and just think as we drive? As we walk, as we eat our food, as we thank Jesus for our meals, as we just go about our days, as we drive to and from work, to and from school, that man, Jesus, Jesus is awesome. He's everything. We do so because, what does the Hebrew writer say? So that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Who here has felt weary? Who here has felt like, man, we lost some heart. Yeah. Touchdown. Look at that. We're just like, man, we're all in the same club. We're feeling it. Life's hard. Weary and lost heart. The Bible says, man, if you're in that place, think of Jesus. Consider the Lord. How often do we just read the Gospels? Just read it. Just read it for what it is. Like, I, There's so many times we can get so... Uh, consumed with all types of different Christian material. And I love my podcasts. I love my commentaries. I love my spiritual books. I like looking and feeling smart. Even though I, I'm like, ah, yeah, these are words I don't understand. But I'm going to read it anyway. I'm going to get my dictionary, right? But how often do you just, man, I'm going to get in my gospel, get in the gospels. And I'm going to make sure I read about Jesus. I'm going to make sure today I, I got to get at least a few chapters in of my Lord. Because he's the source of it all. I I may study this. I may study about Joshua, Psalms, Proverbs. But somewhere in there, i got to have some Jesus. 
Because he's the reason why all this comes together. Colossians says all this points back to him. So the question is, think about it, all this comes back to, is Jesus still enough? Is Jesus still enough? Is he, does he make all of this still worth it? Does he make all the trials not just bearable, but hopeful? When we consider Jesus, when we think about who he is, and my wife's going to share things that have helped her here in a second. She's been awesome at this. There's times I'm just mopey. Come on, ah, Eeyore syndrome, man. Uh, uh. It's like, you know, my wife's just like, no, babe, like, think about Jesus. Find a way. Just God, God's good. I'm like, okay, okay, give me a second. Just need a second to just plop down and be miserable for five seconds. Then I'll think about Jesus. But my wife's just been awesome at that. But I believe, guys, if we do this practically, right, just read the Gospels. Thank God for the cross. Thank Pray about the whole process. Pray about Gethsemane. A couple times a week, we will not grow weary and lose heart. Amen? My wife's going to share. Okay, so when I think about Jesus and how he dealt with pain and suffering, it really does help my heart. And, you know, Janice just mentioned Gethsemane. And when I think about Jesus and something he did really well, it's that he told his friends what was going on. Right? Like he said, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Just those words, I am overwhelmed with sorrow. Right? He was vulnerable about the sorrowfulness and feeling overwhelmed by it. Right? And his friends weren't the greatest. They fell asleep on him. Right? They weren't awesome. But he still went to God and he prayed. But I just think about, you know, the Bible says, like, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And there's this idea of mourning. In the Bible, if you haven't taken time to really think about that and study that out, I would encourage you to. That's really powerful uh, because there's a promise there, right? If we do that, we are comforted. What's really interesting about mourning is that it's different than grief. They say grief is something you do by yourself, something you do privately, something on your own. And mourning is actually something you do publicly. And so there's this interesting thing, right, about being able to experience God, I think, through others where we cannot experience comfort without mourning with others. And, you know, I think about scriptures like no one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. That's First John 4.12. And then Hosea 11.4 says, I led them with cords of human kindness, with ties of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to their cheek, and I bent down to feed them. And I share this because it talks about God leads us along with cords of human kindness, right? And when we experience human kindness, it's like God's lifting us to his cheek, right? And so when I think about seeing God in suffering, I think this involves allowing others to come into my life. And I think that was the biggest thing for me in this season of my life was having to really consider how God was trying to show me his love through others. And if you have never taken time to really sit down and think about maybe your current struggle or a struggle that maybe you've had in the past and just like take time and really think about each moment and where was God in that moment, right? Consider, right? Consider him and really take time to think about where was he or how was he trying to reach me through others? How could I see him in that? And honestly, going through my story, even like the whole birth process, I can see God's hand 
reaching out to me, trying to love me in my suffering. And I have to tell you guys, that has like helped my heart so much. I don't know where I'd be if I couldn't see God in that. And one of my favorite scriptures, which is ironic, before this time, my favorite scripture was James 1, right? It says, consider it pure joy. My brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance, that first part, consider it's pure joy. It's not something, you don't just feel joyful. It's not like, oh, yay, I'm so happy I get to experience this trial, right? Like, we actually have to consider how it's pure joy, right? We have to see God in it, and that's what helps us persevere, and that's what makes us mature, right? That's what helps us not lack anything. And I think about how much God wants us to see him in every place and how beneficial it's been for me to see him in those spaces. So, anyways, just sharing a little bit of what's helped me just kind of process through all that and consider Jesus and consider God. So thank you. Amen. She's, she's very spiritual. She makes sure I stay spiritual many, many times. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was with uh, Jeff and some of the other Heartland Church leaders uh, a few Mondays ago. Monday nights is our date night, right? Typically me and my wife. And I got a text, a picture from her. She's at our sushi place having a date with God. She still had the babysitter over. She's like, I'm going to go out with God. I'm like, well, that's awesome. I'm here with a bunch of guys, and you're there with God. Amen. That's great. Uh, but she just, you know, puts God first, and uh, you're able to see God, right? You're able to see the little things um, that you would normally miss over. Um, like for us, one of those things was even just the mercy of we knew when, when, when our child would be born, how much intervention could we even entertain. So for us, it was like we don't want to cause her more suffering. But the doctors are very, very clear. They answer, like, there's nothing you can do. Just take care of her, and, and, and she'll just, you know, we just let her go. Uh, we were very, very conflicted with that in terms of what, like, what can we do? What's going what's gonna, to, you know, just make it more worse? And I just feel like in those little things, right, if you focus on Jesus, you see how Jesus is merciful, even through the darkness. Amen? Um, so we consider Jesus. We consider who he is. And then Hebrews continues to help us with seeing the fruit of considering Jesus. Amen. Chapter 12, verse four says in your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as a father addresses his son? It says, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son endure hardship is discipline god is treating you as his children for what children are not disciplined by their father if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline then you are not legitimate not true sons and daughters at all moreover we have all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it how much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best but god disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness no discipline seems pleasant at the time but painful later on however it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So first we must consider Jesus. And then we 
Sorry, guys, you could have just read all that together, right? But, and we must train with Jesus. This idea of we are trained in righteousness through our trials. This idea that Jesus is with us. A few things I, I want to point out here. The first thing is, in verse 5, the Hebrew writer quotes this scripture in the Old Testament of, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. I think so many times in our culture where we want everything to be so easy, especially in America. You know, Jeff was just mentioning how hard it is in the third world country. I grew up in the Philippines until I was seven. You see, you see poverty in a different way, and really you're like, well, what, what, what are we suffering through here? What are we actually going through compared to people in the third world? Yeah. Our brothers and sisters in the third world, what are they undergoing, right? But something to think about that we make light of when God puts us through the school of suffering. We, instead of thinking, we, oh, gosh, no, God, no, don't, don't allow me to get discipled or, or corrected. Don't allow me to go through hardship or trial, whatever the discipline may look like. Yeah. We can't take correction from each other. We can't take correction from God because we just want things sometimes to just be pain-free. And guess what? Sign me up. I wish life could be pain-free. And we make light that God is calling us into something sacred, yeah. into something holy. When, you, we, when we suffer, when we allow ourselves to be trained or called higher by one another, we are going into holy ground. Jesus is saying, this is how I was trained. Do not make light of what the Father is trying to put you through. He's trying to make you legitimate sons and daughters. If you do not go through anything in my name, you're not a true Christian. So I'm so grateful that the Wichita Church is standing firm. Through trial. Amen. You guys are here. Yeah. You're persevering. You're going through something holy, through something sacred. Do not make light of any trial, yeah. big or small. Whatever you got to go through, it could be scraping your car up against them. Like, oh, it's so annoying. I'm going through something holy. You could lose someone you love. Oh, I'm going through something holy. I got it. We have to remember, we cannot make light that this is how God has trained the ancient giants of faith, including Jesus. You know, you read verse 6, this idea of he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Somehow this Old Testament verse, I'm not sure what the Hebrew was, but in the Greek today, if you look at the word chastens, it translates to the same word as flogging. It's the same word. If you look at John 19, 1, where it says Jesus was flogged, it's the same Greek word as chastened. And so uh, there's a little bit of maybe foreshadow here perhaps, and, and the Holy Spirit that, man, Jesus was flogged, and it showed that he was the true son of God. Yeah. There's something about him willing to suffer that showed, man, he's a, he's actually in it. Yeah. He's, he's, he's living and dying by what he's saying. Yeah. He is the Messiah because he's showing that he's willing to die Come on, for this gospel, this message. It's, he doesn't just preach it when it's convenient. He's willing to die with it. He accepts as true sons those who are willing to be chastened. Yeah. Is that us? Wow. Are we willing to, in one sense, right, thank God there's no physical, actual flogging that's going to happen to us more than likely. Yeah. But there is pain that we, un- that we feel emotionally and spiritually yeah. that would make us feel like, wow, I'm going through it right now. Yeah. I'm being chastened. And Jesus says, you know what? Now you understand a little bit more my love for you. 
This is how deep my love goes for you. I was flogged for you and to show the Father that I'm in this for them. Now you understand. See, this is all training. This is all, we're being conformed into the image of his son, the firstborn among many. That's sacred. Do we make light of that sacred journey that God is calling his family to? This is the marker of Christianity. That we march through trial and we still smile and we high five and we hug and we cry and we cry tears of joy and cry tears of, of, of pain. And we go through it together and the world goes, I do not have that. What is this? You're going through just junk and you're hugging each other like you just won the Super Bowl. I need whatever that is. And we say it's Jesus. We must endure hardship as discipline. Through this lens, enduring struggle in one sense becomes an invitation to be in a training club that's led by Jesus. You know, something I feel like is becoming somewhat of a phenomenon in our world today is there's this, I, I, I don't get it. Some of y'all may be in this one, but some, there's running clubs. People run for fun <laughs> together. Yeah, I'm like, so wait a minute. So some, some, some disciples do this. They get up at an ungodly hour and they run at, for ungodly distances and ungodly time lengths. And y'all, this is fun for y'all? Like, this is a club? Like, what's happening right now? You guys, and, and you think about it, I, I wonder if it's, man, we're in this together. We're finding comfort. We share the same pain. We're just in it together. It's this shared purpose and struggle of being in the same boat together. It's what I can assume. I, I, I've never joined a running club. It's, it's the only thing I could make me fathom ever joining one is that. But when we endure hardship, when we go through struggles with the Lord, this passage reminds us that we're actually being trained together. And we're being trained by Jesus and with Jesus. Amen. Um, if you guys could just entertain me here real quick. I don't know how many basketball fans we have here. COVID happened, and this became like, you know, I think a lot of basketball wives lost their husbands to this show. Uh, because this is, a, this is a documentary on the greatest basketball player of all time, Michael Jordan. Some, some, some modern, you know, some younger folks may say it's LeBron James, but that's a whole other debate for another day. But, I, you know, to me, I grew up in the 90s, so I would say that guy. I'd say Michael Jordan, right? And, 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 and part of the, the concept of what made this team special, they were very dominant in the 90s. They had this group called the Breakfast Club. And they got up early. They trained extra. And they just, they just worked together. And they trained together. And here, it was led by the greatest player of all time. And he just, just put together a bunch of his teammates who weren't as good. And we're, gonna, we're just going to get to know each other. We're going to connect. We're going to have breakfast. We're going to work out. This is all going to be outside of sanctioned practices. This is just something we want to do. And it made me think, now what if, you know, Jesus, Michael was the greatest of all. But what if Jesus called me one day? He goes, hey, man, you want to be in a training club with me? You want to get up early? And, you know, no one else is going to call you. This is not sanctioned by the church body. But I just want you to walk with me. I want you to get up early. What if, why, why don't we just go work out? Why don't we just, why don't you, why don't you walk through what I, walk a, walk a mile in my shoes, Jans. Wow. And why don't you tell some of your friends? What if we did this for a while? What would happen to your friend group? Wow. What would happen to you? Yeah. 
What would happen to your character? What would happen to the character of the men and the families, right? What if you called some of your dad friends? And, and, and what if you called some of your, your single friends that you play basketball? What if you all just said, you know what, instead of basketball, why don't we just why don't we pray? Or why don't we just experience Jesus together? The good and the bad. See, that's what trial is. Trial is saying, I want you to join me. I want you to be trained by me. I want you to be trained, what would it say? It produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who are trained by it. Wow. When's the last time we've decided, man, I'm going to let Jesus train me. You know, recently, guys, I, I've tried to put myself back out there. Um, I've been leading the church now for five years, and uh, there's a lot of administrative things you can do, a lot of planning you can do, and I got to a place in my heart this summer where I was like, I think I'm hiding from the real fight that God's calling me to. I just turned 37. Um, I was like, man, I, I think God's calling me to go back on campus, <laughs> We have a campus staff, but I was like, I, I, just, I think God's saying, go back out there and just fight with them. And uh, still study the Bible with, with ma- married folk and, and single folk. And what, what if you just had a goal, man, of like, what if you study with four or five campus guys and two or three married people or single guys, and you just got after it? And honestly, I, I, as I thought of this, I was scared. So I, what if I go back out there? I was once a campus minister. What if I go out there and find out I don't have it anymore? Like, you know, you may think this is silly or petty but for me this was like my heart because if I go back out there and I give my best and I go after this dream and it doesn't work out it felt very vulnerable it felt very scary to me and you share your faith and you fall in love with these campus students these kids you see yourself in them you're like I was like that when I was 19 man and you love these kids and it's going to break your heart more if they choose not to follow God but if they do, it's this amazing, like, oh, my gosh, you're like my little brother. And you guys can pray. There's a few, there's two or three guys I'm working with that are getting close, and I'm praying that they'll make Jesus Lord. And my heart's on the line. I was like, oh, gosh, please choose Jesus. I need you to choose Jesus. I've given you my whole heart, and you're going to break it if you walk away. It's painful to think about. But it's my own little personal campaign for Jesus. I don't know if you guys have seen Rocky Three, where Adrian's like, tell me the truth, you're scared. And, you know, Rocky's like, I'm scared. It was me and my wife this summer. She's like, you're, you're scared, Janice. I'm like, you're right. I am scared. I'll go back out there. And it's been, it's been so good for my faith. And as the, as, the, as the seasons have changed, it's gotten darker. I've shared my faith less, but I'm trying to pray more for these souls. And uh, there's this book called The 40-Day Prayer Challenge by Kit Cummings been praying through that and been praying 10 impossible prayers. You know, it's been challenging me to pray for things that may break my heart if they don't come true or God isn't blessed, but I got to put my heart out there. But these are like ways I'm like, okay, I got to train myself with Jesus. I have to, if, if this is just me and the Lord and nothing else changes, was it worth it? Is having my heart broken for Jesus worth it to me? Is that enough for us? I think God's going to bless it. I'm faithful men and women will become Christians. I believe that there's going to be a revival in Mizzou's campus ministry. Pray for our campus ministry. There's 17 students right now. We want to pray for it to hit 50 and 100, right? But I believe that that's going to happen in God's timing. But even if that doesn't, Jesus has to be enough. When's the last time we've trained ourselves in any way to be closer to Jesus? 
Train yourself to be godly, right? 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. When's the last time we trained ourselves to identify with Jesus? When's the last time we've trained ourselves to relate to Jesus, to imitate Jesus, to understand Jesus, to experience Jesus? These are not just things that are meant to change the external, right? This is meant to change the internal, our souls. It could be a prayer campaign. It could be an evangelism campaign. It could be whatever. Think about it. It could be fasting. I know the church sometimes calls corporate campaigns, which is fine. But when's the last time? It's just been on your heart to do something special just with you and Jesus. I want us to think about that as we consider Jesus, as we consider who he is, what he's done for us on the cross, how he lived his life. And let's consider how we may train with him. Amen. Think about all the ways you can experience Jesus. Say, okay, how can I practically become this just on a daily basis to experience who he was and who he is? Amen? Amen. I'm going to say a prayer. Father, um, we're so grateful that you sent Jesus. He is enough. He is enough. There's times, Lord, forgive me, I, I, I choose perhaps to not wrestle with that reality and I just ignore you and I don't pray when I know I should. And yet you keep after me. Yeah. You, you, you poke at me. You, your, your spirit prompts me. And, and then I'm finally I pray and I get my heart right. But Lord, I, I'm so thankful you keep after us. I'm so thankful, Jesus, that you are the good shepherd. That you, you are not the hired hand. That you fight off the wolves. You come after us. You rescue us time and time again. And then you give us the strength to walk with you and work with you to help rescue others. What an honor. What a privilege, God. What a privilege, Jesus, to walk with you, to help someone else experience what we've all all experienced, Lord. Give us the strength. Give us the joy set before us. There is a joy that's set before each of us every morning. Whatever that trial may be, help us to embrace it and drink the cup that you drank from. We love you, Jesus. We need you. We pray this in your name. Amen.